0: One. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus.
1: Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after
0: Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: How do you separate
1: out talking about religion from talking about politics? When should you speak? in sort of a religious moral sense and when should you speak in a kind of a secular sense when when you're trying to make an argument?
3: Well, that's a good question. This is Wretched Radio. That was the voice of Jewish Ben Shapiro on his Sunday special hosting a Roman Catholic, Matt, what is a woman, Walsh, asking a very important question before we hear Matt's answer, which is going to be very instructive. Not in the right way, (laughs) but it'll be very instructive. I would actually suggest to you as a Christian, I want to consider the question that Ben just asked very, very carefully. He said, how do you make an argument? And you and I would probably go, ah, presuppositionalism. Ah, the cosmological argument. I would use apologetics. Maybe the question doesn't actually apply to Christians. Maybe you and I can find ourselves being wobbled by the individual who knows enough to actually ask smart questions to reframe the question because I'm not sure that we are on this planet to make an argument. We're not here to debate people. We're not here to use logic and reason to help somebody think better politically, socially, or morally. We are here to preach the foolish message of the gospel, which is precisely what Paul did exclusively. I preached nothing but Christ and him crucified. So before we answer Ben's question, let's be careful to remember so that we don't go down a rabbit hole where we don't belong. What is our mission? What is our goal? What is our role? Is it simply to help people think a little better, perhaps behave a little bit more morally, or is it to convert them? Having said that, Matt Walsh is going to share how he goes about the business of at least attempting to persuade people. And what we are going to discover is but a few years later, his response is demonstrably false. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's a balance. I
4: am still struggling to strike myself. I can't say that I always do the best job of it.
3: Now, that's actually a good answer, believe it or not. It sounded like a placeholder, but it's a good answer. I think different circumstances require different responses. It, 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 it's simply a matter of manners. Staying engaged with somebody. Can I as a Christian use science? Of course. Can I as a Christian use logic? Yeah, we're the only ones who are logical. Because if you have the mind of Christ, then you're increasingly better at reasoning. When your mind is darkened, ooh, it's very, very dim. But I can use those arrows in my quiver to try to engage somebody Always keeping in mind, I'm not just trying to win some sort of an argument. I want to win them to the Lord. I can use presuppositionalism here, but I don't necessarily want to use it over there. I do want to quote the Bible. It might not be appropriate to do it with every single circumstance. If somebody asks you, so what's the scientific evidence you have that says global warming is dumb? And you would say, well, it's because God is the one who's going to burn up the planet, not man. But that wasn't the question. It was a specific science question. So as a rule, we should be wielding the sword, the word of God. But we can, on occasion, in the right circumstance, use reason and logic and science. But Matt Walsh actually gives Ben a little bit more of a definitive answer.
4: But I do know that when it comes to these great moral issues in our society, like abortion, marriage, uh, you know, gender, um, that we have to be able to engage on those issues without throwing the Bible at people, especially if we're talking to people who don't believe in the Bible.
3: Okay, we don't. Throw the Bible at people. Um, noticed after Matt Walsh took a bit of a shellacking for this interview on the Sunday special with Ben Shapiro, he wrote an article when Christians shouldn't quote the Bible. And he has a tendency, surprisingly, to use some straw men. Hey, if you want a Bible thump, who says we're Bible thumping? That's such a, well, it's a straw man. It's a pejorative. It paints us as unable to engage in a reasonable 21st century way. So he tends to use language like that. Here's a quote, by the way, from the article responding to the critiques that he received for this response to Ben Shapiro's question about how to respond. (sighs) There is no need to quote scripture when trying to explain, for example, why it is wrong to kill babies. You don't need to pull out Genesis to convince someone that a man in a dress isn't a woman. It's not necessary to mind the epistles in order to advocate for free speech rights. And if you're the person that you're arguing with doesn't believe in the Bible, then this appeal to authority ah, is not only unnecessary, but counterproductive. What we are going to hear in a moment or two is that ultimately you do need to appeal to authority. Because you are going to run into somebody who is clever enough to unwind your logic and reason. Or they're just more clever than you because they've studied some of these issues more and you just don't know how to put it together. Matt Walsh believes, nope, we are just going to use reason, logic and science with people and not appeal to a source of authority. Uh, Because when you try to go the biblical route you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in it. Well,
4: then you just put an extra step in your way, which is first you have to get them to believe the Bible, which is a whole different nope, conversation nope, and a pretty, pretty difficult one. Nope. Um, so I think that that's not the route. And instead you have to talk about these fundamental natural law, these fundamental
3: moral truths. So you have to, okay, we can use natural law also. That's fine. You observe procreation, male, female. Yep. We can do all of that, but What Matt Walsh recently discovered is, at some point, you will have to appeal to an authority. You have to. This is why, really, every society determines, hey, basically, this is the rule book that we're going to go after and follow. And in the West, we decided it's going to be biblical principles. And we lived with those pretty successfully for a couple of centuries. Now, of course, that's being... Deconstructed, Matt Walsh went onto the Joe Rogan program. And Joe Rogan, I think, just by persistence and by finding a chink in Matt Walsh's armor, I think totally undressed Matt and demonstrated. We do need to appeal to scriptural authority. It isn't nearly enough to use logic, reason, natural law, science. We must have an authority. Otherwise, we all just have preferences. Here is Joe Rogan. Whew. This was uh I think what you're gonna hear is that Matt maybe hasn't yet. Learn to articulate a defense without the Bible. I mean, we can defend these things without the Bible. I, I don't think he was capable of doing that. But having said that, as you will hear at some point, you need to say, thus says the Lord. I think of marriage is a certain thing, which is the um,
1: the context for uh for procreation, for the for the, the building of the, the nuclear family. What about people that get married that don't have kids? Are you opposed to that? What if they get married and they decide, you know what? We don't need kids. I'm going to get fixed. You get your tubes tied. Let's travel the world. That's...
3: <laughs> and that was the line of reasoning that Joe Rogan took. And in my estimation, Matt was not able to overcome that objection. Now, I think he could have and he should have but he didn't but listen to the grasping and groping for something besides the bible to defend marriage between one man and one woman well what do
4: you mean am i
1: opposed to it i mean i, I think that uh, that every married couple should be open to life but what if but they don't want to Are you opposed to them being married if marriage is only for procreation and to bond a family together what about people that are deeply in love that never want to have children I don't think it's it's not only procreation, but that is one of the fundamental
4: definitional uh, uh, aspects of it.
3: He should have gone into those other aspects like we know that procreation is between a male and female. We also know that it is best for a child to have a mother and father. Furthermore, we know that marriage has a stabilizing effect on a society. Therefore, our government concluded We need to offer advantages to getting married because we know that it is good in every regard. He could have gone that route. He could have defended his position against Joe Rogan, but he didn't. Instead, he tried to use procreation as the only indicator that it should be between a male and female. And I think that Joe Rogan, he saw his opening and he walked right through the door. And somebody will do that to you, too. We'll continue listening to Matt fumble the ball with Joe Rogan so that we can learn how to respond rightly with the right response, the right tools, so that we don't end up looking like Matt Walsh on the Joe Rogan program. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an. Incendiary device, a preborn clinic in Miami, vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life, and yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like
1: Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives
3: to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life, preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash
2: wretched. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. I could spend the next few seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio can be heard on over 800 radio stations or that the Wretched Radio podcast has had over 5 million downloads in the last year. Instead, I'll let you share things with more eternal value.
4: The Lord has used this ministry to preserve me from false teaching as well as giving me a greater love for Jesus Christ and the truth.
2: There is nothing more valuable than one person dead in their sin becoming a in christ and we are truly humbled and grateful god uses knuckleheads like us but we can't do it without your help would you consider and pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel equip the saints and strengthen the local church you can get all of the details you could ever need or desire on becoming a wretched gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate wretched amazing grace amazing gospel How's inflation
3: been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health insurance. Sharing Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and mrs Friel, love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at medishare 844-34 bible or medishare.com slash wretched
0: important dates in christian history 988 AD, after examining several religions, Vladimir, Prince of Kiev, chooses Orthodox Christianity to unify and guide the Russian people. Even after a century of atheistic communist rule, Orthodoxy remains at the core of life in Eastern Europe to this day.
3: This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is downright painful. This is Wretched Radio. Joe Rogan, a very popular podcaster, hosting Matt Walsh, no doubt, to talk about what is a woman, gender issues, sexuality issues. And Joe Rogan revealed that Matt Walsh's belief that when it comes to arguing morality, values, politics, social issues, Whatever you do, Christian, don't use the Bible. He was emphatic about that point on the Ben Shapiro program. He wrote a follow-up article making it clear he's a Roman Catholic, who refuses to use scripture because it is a an appeal to an authority. I mean, honestly, that's the very reason we do use scripture. It is the authority. And so we use it whether somebody believes in it or not. You probably remember this illustration from Vodi Bauckham. His presuppositional apologetics punch a hole in somebody's worldview. In other words, you can ask smart questions, dismantle their argument, or at least cause them to go, huh, maybe I haven't thought that through. But then you fill it with truth, and that comes from God's word. Vodibacum talks about two knights approaching each other on their stallions. One of them has a lance, the other one doesn't. They're going to engage in a to-death battle, and the fellow without the lance says, put down thine lance. What's the fellow gonna say? No, <laughs> I'm gonna use it. And <laughs> I'm gonna win. And that is the Bible. It is our lance. It is our weapon. It is more powerful than any two-edged sword. Because remember, our goal isn't to merely win arguments. Our goal is to win somebody to Christ. Here now is Joe Rogan going after matt walsh for his defense of marriage based in this particular context only on the issue of procreation
1: and what about people that are infertile they fall in love and they realize that they can't have babies they don't really necessarily want to adopt
3: and now do you hear where he's going with this matt your contention is that marriage should just be between the two parties that can actually create children but hey There are people in the marriage institution that don't have children. They don't choose. They are struggling with fertility. So therefore, concludes Joe Rogan, the exception throws out the rule. Now, I don't know that Matt handled that very well. But the point of this diatribe is to hear Matt trying so desperate. He's run out of gas to defend his position without an appeal to
1: authority. Is that okay for them to be married? Because then you're by definition, marriage falls into a completely different thing. Because then it's a bond of love, it's a union of love. Sure, I mean that doesn't change the nature of of marriage, though. It's it's a little bit like
3: an um, answer.
4: I say that uh, uh, what's the definition of a woman? Well, a woman is someone who, by her nature, can conceive children in her womb and bear children. And then the response is always, "What about women who are infertile? Does that right. does that destroy your definition of woman?" And uh, it, it it doesn't because You know, it's still it's still a woman's nature to bear children. And not
3: every woman will. Now, do you hear what point is being begged? But why exclude others from that institution? And there will be disease and
4: infertility and, and old age and all these things that will preclude that. But it's still it's still of her nature to do so.
3: Why then is marriage naturally just for a man and woman? And if we don't ultimately appeal to the authority that says in the beginning, God created the male and female, we see a covenant ceremony immediately in the garden. God instituted marriage and we as a society have recognized he was right. That's a good idea. Therefore, we do marriage that way. It's not the way this conversation went down. Um and I would say the
4: same thing for marriage. I mean, it's it's it is natural in a marriage for for procreation to occur. It's
3: not. Yep. Yeah, but as Joe Rogan is going to point out <laughs> if that's it. If marriage is just procreation, there's too many holes in that exclusive argument.
4: Always going to happen in reality, though. But that's still that's still one of the natural functions of marriage. And and uh, married couples who can't conceive children, there are
1: other ways to. Um, be parents, like adoption, for example. If they want to. Right. Sure. But if people want to be married and don't want to ever have children, are you opposed to them being married? Well, I'm not. I'm not. I would advocate a law that would prevent it. But would I, it change the definition of what their marriage is to you because they don't want to have a family? They just want to have a loving bond? I think this would be a, a couple that is
4: rejecting uh, one of the fundamental acts.
3: Incidentally, sorry to interrupt, Matt, but... He's going to a place that is not all that beneficial. We're trying to paint marriage as the procreative institution to argue the importance of procreation. Therefore, if we conclude procreation is important, therefore, marriage is important because it's a man and a woman who can do that, but it still hasn't made the case for marriage
4: Specs of marriage and they they should be they they should be open
1: to. To life i would hope that in the future they would be but but isn't that just a personal choice i mean you can have a very fulfilling relentless. life if you just follow your pursuits and your dreams and your your interests and you find someone that shares those interests with you and you share time together it's very fulfilling yeah, it's and a, loving yeah why didn't
3: matt say hold on i mentioned there are more aspects of marriage here they are bada bing bada boom lay them out it's good for children It is obviously a natural order issue. Furthermore, humans flourish when one man is faithful to one woman and vice versa. Furthermore, it does indeed have a stabilizing impact on our society. Therefore, marriage must be between a man and a woman. But even as you argue that without invoking an appeal to authority, Joe Rogan is going to find a way to get in. And try to dismantle and undermine it, and that's why I just kept feeling as Matt is talking. Oh, Matt, your your determination to not invoke scripture—I I just don't think that you're making much traction, if not losing ground. It's a it's a, pers- it's a personal choice, and that I'm, I'm not advocating for
1: like a law that says that you you, if you're married, you have to have <laughs> you have to have X number of kids. Um, but then, why are you opposed to two gay people doing that? It's just not letting up well, because because again, it's it's
4: it's not about choice. It's about what this institution, marriage is an institution, and what is it, and what purpose does it serve?
3: Great question. What is it? Who defines it? Do we as a culture determine marriage is an institution where you get married, you enter into this covenant union for ten years. But after a decade, You can end that covenant, it just automatically, it has an expiration date, and then you can start a new covenant if you want to. Or society determined marriage is the institution that if two joint incomes produce more revenue, making the level of luxury for individuals a little bit higher, then stay in it. But if it doesn't meet that criterion, you're out. If we let society define marriage, we're in big trouble. Because we assume that marriage should be the way that we think that it currently should be. But that doesn't mean that you can't argue it shouldn't be something else unless you have an appeal to an authority. And that is why we should, we can, we we will be using presuppositionalism. We'll be using great apologetical arguments. We can quote natural law. We can appeal to a degree to science. But a Joe Rogan is going to find a way to go at that. You got a hole right there. And ultimately, you're going to have to say, here's the deal. Let's ask where marriage came from. And I'm going to tell you historically, who was the individual who came up with the concept? And the answer is God himself. And he has established many reasons for this institution. One, procreation. Two, pleasure. Three, partnership working together it tends to work better but there's more to it than that it also glorifies god because it takes two genders to do so furthermore it is a picture of the gospel of jesus christ the man plays the role of the church the woman plays the the man plays the role of jesus the woman plays the role of the church it is theological joe Now, you can reject that to your own peril, because what you're going to discover when you reject God's way of doing marriage, it is not going to succeed. It can't succeed. And that is why we do see sociological studies that demonstrate that marriage is indeed good for a society. We do see that children flourish. We do see that criminality in children with two parents is far lower than those who just have one parent. So science, logic, reason, natural law, it supports clearly what the scripture teaches. Joe, what I'm trying to say is, thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. Initially, when Matt responded to to Ben Shapiro's question on the Sunday special, he's like, well, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, sometimes a little of this, sometimes a little of that. And I actually think that was the right answer. There is a time for each. And you need to be nimble on your feet, know when to and when not to. When proper manners demands that you answer in a certain way, do so. But don't take the sword out of your quiver. That really wasn't a very good military illustration. Don't leave the Bible behind because ultimately you will need to appeal to the ultimate authority. This is Wretched Radio.
2: This is Retro Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. It's been reported that at least five private schools in New York City are now subjecting parents to indoctrination sessions under the guise of anti racism and diversity training. And if a parent refuses to comply, then their children will not be admitted to the school and more than a few parents are outraged. The cost of the institutions is in the neighborhood of $60,000 per year per child. Two immediate reasons why this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If you're charging $60,000 per year per child, why would you do something jeopardizing parents sending their children to your school? And number two, why would parents want to pay $60,000 per year per child to have their children indoctrinated with this type of racist ideology? a company that goes by the name of Holy Spirit Games. That's probably where this news story should stop. They've released a Ouija board, a Christian Ouija board, so believers can talk directly to Jesus. Yeah, um, we can do that already. We can also hear from him too, just by reading his word. <laughs> I guess real Christians really don't need this demonic game, but I'm sure there is a segment of Christians who are buying a whole lot of them. If you remember recently, we told you about a new class that would be taught at the University of Chicago titled The Problem of Whiteness. Well, the university, after a whole lot of backlash regarding the class, has decided, yeah, we're probably not going to do that now. You probably shouldn't have done it at all to begin with but at least they've pulled it for now. Lawmakers in Tennessee have filed a bill to ban the controversial practice of pediatric medical gender transitions in the state. Tennessee Majority Leaders William Lamberth and Jack Johnson introduced the Protecting Children from Gender Mutilation Act. The law, if passed, would bar doctors from prescribing puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and performing gender-related surgeries on minors for the purpose of medical transition, quote-unquote, mutilation. It would also allow patients and their families to sue for damages and let courts impose an additional $25,000 penalty for each violation. Don't you just wish all states in this country would make laws that protect children? More wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible.
0: The book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies given to Isaiah it can be divided in two parts. Isaiah delivered bad news to Israel and the surrounding nations concerning God's judgment, and he delivered good news of salvation for those who repent. Isaiah also offers detailed prophecies concerning the coming Messiah who offers eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with
3: Todd Friel. Well, my Republican friend, how are we feeling today? This is Wretched Radio. Tuesday was supposed to reveal the animosity, the concern, the angst of a society that's suffering under inflation. By voting red, we were told, don't question if there will be a red wave. Simply ask, how tall will that wave be? Turns out it was a mere ripple. And now you and I who had been hoping, because it would have been better, that people who at least tilted more toward righteousness were in power, we're now left going, huh, I think I better ask some questions. Number one, was I putting my hope in horses, chariots, and political parties? Am I devastated because I was really thinking this is what it's going to take? That is a question that we should always be asking because we never want to put our hope into anything besides Jesus Christ. Number two, about which economy am I most concerned? The American economy or God's economy, which is an eternal economy, which is an economy that is transcendent, that is operating on a far higher level and plane with far greater implications, knowing that God is sovereign. Why why was I thinking that if we just get a political party in power, that this economy is going to be better? Now, I think it would, but that's not ultimately the economy that matters. And that brings us to number three. Am I believing the doctrine of sovereignty? Do I believe that God is in control of election results? Whether you believe these elections are free and fair or not, that's an interesting conversation if you'd like. But we need to recognize, even if people are cheating to win elections, it's because God predetermined it. Because it is what is best. It is what is going to affect his economy the most. And you and I can be a little disappointed after something like Tuesday. That's fair, but we want to make sure that we are remembering sovereignty. God determined this. God God has got the next election figured out too because he's determined the results of every election. Why? Because his concern is not the American economy. Oh, believe me, he's aware of it. He controls it. But that ain't the big deal. You don't read those Bible verses. Our mission in life is to make sure that the stock market stays robust. Always in a bull market so that the the churches can be well-funded. You just don't see it. God's concern are the souls of men. His glory Are we remembering that when we receive some bad news when we wake up on a Wednesday morning after an election? Question number four. Did I really think that a red wave would fix this? Did I really think that it was going to get to the moral issues, the worldview issues that are ultimately producing such horrific thinking and such satanic expressions of evil. Did I think that a red wave would cure those problems? Case in point, let me take you to, it's a bit of a challenge, so get ready for a little bit of tough sledding here. It's Carl Truman. He's a brilliant fellow, and he writes regularly about social issues on a higher plane. And as you hear Carl Truman describe the difference, sorry for this, but... This is our world. We're just trying to follow the vernacular of the pagans here. There's a difference between somebody who says they're gay versus somebody who says they're queer. Now, I always thought the Q word was a pejorative and you shouldn't call somebody that. Well, now there are people who are insisting you do call them that. But listen to the motive behind it. This is Carl Truman. Like I said, he's a little bit lofty. We, we sometimes he'd bring it down just a tad for some of us. He wrote this: "There's a fundamental incoherence in an alliance that requires affirmation of the gen. He's talking about LGBTQ, LGBTQ2S That there's a, there's there they they really can't reside together, and he's going to explain why. There's a fundamental incoherence in an alliance that requires affirmation of the gender binary in the L and G and the B. So if you're one of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, they still want to affirm genders, a gender binary. But the T and the Q emphatically deny that. Because it doesn't matter what you identify yourself as. That's clearly what transgenderism states. And so, too, is what the Q is trying to accomplish. That I'm whatever, daddy-o. I'm amorphous. This is Carl Truman. The category, the, 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 the Q category, is the category that destabilizes, subverts, and excludes all other categories. Here's why. This is a definition from an opinion writer at the New York Times. This is, this is really instructive stuff. Queer theory, this is New York Times, queer theory is about deliberately breaking down normative categories around gender and sex, particularly binary ones like men and women, straight and gay. So this alliance of LGBTQ et cetera et cetera, they don't have the same agenda. They don't have the same goals, and that is why, by the way, a lot of LG and B people are going. Um, the trans, you got to get your own. You got to get your own alliance going because it's different than ours. Here's from the New York Times, saying you're queer could mean you're gay. It could mean you're straight. It could mean you're undecided about your gender. Or you prefer not to say, Jimmy, did you know that? That that's, that's what the queer word means? I Whatever know. I am happen to be thinking that it means? That's according to an individual who from the New York Times opinion piece is contending why the word gay should be used rather than queer. She wrote this, saying you're queer could mean as little as having kissed another girl your sophomore year at college. It could mean you valiantly plowed through the prose of Judith Butler in a course on queerness in the Elizabethan theater. That's what the Q word means. Whatever. Why does it mean that? And why do people want to use that term as opposed to gay? Because it destabilizes categories. This is This is Carl Truman. This is a basic problem with critical theories that assume social construction and discourses of power as the basic elements of transformative cultural analysis. A lot of big words, basically. Here's the problem with CRT. They say this is the way to figure out our culture. And they have rewarded us by telling us we simply don't understand what's really going on and lacking the intellectual smarts to comprehend the allegedly sophisticated arguments of the critical theories. But that is to mistake opaque jargon for sophistication and truth. In other words, CRT, the Q word, it's all designed to just blur so that there are no categories at all. We're just all amorphous blobs. Truman, the truly profound have little reason to bury the thoughts in semantic smog. In other words, people who are smart don't need to do a lot of redefining of words, linguistic razzle-dazzle, because they've actually just got a strong argument. And this is how he concludes. Whatever the categories of the day are, male, female, straight, gay, bi, cis, white, black, if they are or become remotely stable, then they too are ultimately a part of the discourse of power. In other words, they become the oppressor. So we want no categories. That means that they too are liable to be overthrown as new marginal communities emerge. So if LG and B have their way, they're still a gender binary, then they're the oppressive class and somebody's going to come along and topple them too. Q dismantles that by putting up a fog of, of, of confusion about the semantic range of a word that used to mean one thing, but now it can mean anything because there's an agenda behind it, and that is to cause confusion, to break down morality by breaking down gender binary categories. You say, Friel, you just got lost in the woods. What does this have to do with politics? Exactly. Do you think that a Republican president is going to be able to correct this sort of wildly aberrant thinking? Do you think that the majority control, whether it's on state or federal level, is going to help people think better than this and return to gender binary constructs because that's what the Bible lays out and that is what is obvious, that is what is natural law? Are we perhaps asking and hoping that our government can do far more Than what we need. What we need is better thinking and better thinking only comes from a regenerated heart. And that is why we don't put our hope in horses, chariots, or governments. We put our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Aspiritu from the Masters Academy International in the Philippines.
1: Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ.
3: Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit
2: wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Who doesn't like road trips? Buckle up and get ready because we are back for Road Trip to Truth season trois. That's French for three. I know you didn't know how cultured I was, but this isn't about me. It's about Road Trip to Truth and host John Ferbares who are back with an all new season tackling topics like the existence of aliens, the authenticity of the Bible, The True Purpose for Sex, The Effects of Social Media, Bumper Sticker Philosophy, What Does It Mean to Be a Woman, What Does It Mean to Be a Man, Justice, and Many Other Topics. 13 episodes to be exact with experts like Dr. Jason Lyle, Dr. Paul Twist, Nate Pickowitz, Alan Parr, Tom Hammond, and a lot more. So get ready for twists and turns and truth. On the Road Trip to Truth, Season Three, with Host John Fabarez. It's available now at wretched.org or Road Two.
0: A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God. But everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
3: Another example of the need for... The Great Commission. This is Wretched Radio. With story time. Let me take you back to uh, the 19th century, specifically 1880 in Great Britain. A fellow named Charles Bradley. Hmm, the English language. It's the easiest language to learn. It is the most difficult language to learn goodly. Charles Brad, L-A-U-G-H. How would you say that? Laugh, laugh. laugh. Well, yeah, but I don't think his name is Brad, Brad Laugh. Wouldn't it be Brad Lowe? <laughs> but there's no O involved in this. <laughs> exactly. See? See, the diphthongs in the English language. They're a dog's breakfast. Charles Brad or Lowe was elected as a member of the Parliament of the United Kingdom for the Northampton District. His constituents knew he was an atheist who liked to publicly challenge Christians but didn't think it would affect his work in Parliament. Hmm. Maybe we could learn a lesson from that. Maybe the reason that we see such a mess in our society is because we do not have... Righteous leaders, the question, of course, is how do you get those? How do you produce somebody who is righteous? And there is only one answer to that question. Conversion, regeneration. Remember 1 Corinthians 2 and 3. People don't get logic into wisdom. They get saved into wisdom. You must be regenerated. Then things start to make sense and fit into place. Because your brain is increasingly in alignment with reality, and it is God who has determined what this reality is and how things are to function. We need saved politicians. They'll make better decisions. We need people who are born again, leading. So that means, while you might be a little disappointed in the election results, that means there's hope. That means there's actually something you can do. How many times have we heard the conservative pundit being outraged? Every Boy, the industry of outrage. And we have a tendency to look at the liberals and go, well, Saul Alinsky said never waste a tragedy. You got to use that and you got to keep people stoked and angry. And we criticize that, rightly so. But I see an awful lot of that on the other side of the aisle. Where we are stoked. We are, our our, our media, it's like a bellows that just get fanning the flames, getting us annoyed, questioning everything. No, that was not a blanket statement that everything we hear is right or wrong. It's just an observation that you and I also feel the effect of a media that needs agitation to retain eyeballs. And you and I are constantly told we won't. We're like Twisted Sister. We're just not going to take this. No, we ain't going to fake this. We're not going to. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to break it. Jimmy, you are a rock and roller. (laughs) How does that go exactly? Uh, Yes. All righty then. That's what you're told, aren't you? I got it for you. Hold on. We'll get this resolved. These are the big issues of the day. Lyrics to Twisted Sister.
2: We're not gonna
3: take it. No, we ain't gonna take it. He didn't do take it, take it. He did. That's kinda lame. <laughs> that dude it could actually sing the whole I don't he was actually a very good musician despite this rather gravelly rock and roll sound. Oh, we're not gonna take it. That's three takes it Interrupt. And yet it was a hit. Mm-mm-mm. Back to Charles Bradlaffer. He was elected to Parliament. United Kingdom, 1880, publicly declaring his lack of belief in God and his constituents said, no big whoop. Seems like a decent fellow. I like his policies. Off he goes. It won't affect anything. They were proven wrong on the first day because he objected to taking an oath of allegiance before God on the grounds that God did not exist. He asked to be allowed to make a good old-fashioned cross, my heart promise, and leave God out of it. Denied. The parliament said, no, what grounds? If there were no God, then there would be no morality, no right and wrong, no truth or lie, and the oath would be meaningless. Ah, The good old days when we collectively agreed, yep, We have to be under somebody's authority. This, by the way, is the difference between the French system and the American system. We're a nation under God. They are liberté, fraternité. There's nothing about God in the French system. Our rights are derived from those in power who grant the rights. In America, your rights come from God. We agreed that that was the best way to do things. This is a demonstration of that, an atheist not being allowed to be a member of parliament because he wouldn't submit to God. What did Bradlow do? He forfeited his seat. But, get ready for this twist, he kept sneaking in to vote. That's, that's historical, but it just seems <laughs> odd, doesn't it? On three occasions, he voted without anyone noticing that he had snuck in. On the other occasions, he was caught and escorted out of the building by police. He thus proved the ruling against him right, that a man that does not believe in God doesn't believe in any authority. And that's why we need those in authority to have an authority over them. Now, how does that happen? It doesn't happen by us telling people, you've just got to submit to this whether you believe in it or not. That's the policy of a party called the Pharisees. We preach Christ, him crucified. People then get saved, then they gain wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, regeneration precedes wisdom. We get this backwards all the time. Well, if we just help somebody think right, well then they're bound to get saved. No, they can't think right until they do get saved. And this means there is hope for you and me, and there is something we can do. Your marching orders have been we got to do something. Here's what we got to do Christian, not political being, a Christian being. Here's what we got to do preach the gospel. And you can do that. You can do that. You can do something about this mess. But it's the doing designed by God not by our own logic and reason that says, I believe that the government can help our society behave more morally. It can't do it. Regeneration must happen, not just in in the leaders and the rulers, but also in the people. And we want to make sure that we keep our eyes on the eternal prize. If we just go about the business of trying to say, hey, This is, this is, we need Christian principles being applied to the governmental system. There's, that's just so fraught with problems. Like whose Christianity are we talking about here? Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, SDA, you got to worship on Saturday or you take the mark of the beast. That's the problem. That is why we go about the business of preaching the gospel. People get regenerated, and then they think more rightly and righteously. This was an interesting add-on to this article about Charles Bradlow from Cripplegate. He challenged a pastor named Hugh Price Hughes. I know why he keeps his middle name, Jimmy. Otherwise, he'd be Hugh Hughes. (laughs) <laughs> what were his parents thinking? He was challenged to a public debate on the validity of belief in God. Hughes immediately accepted the challenge, but added one of his own. This is this is going to sound biblical to you. Hughes said, I propose... Now, remember, an atheist asked him, hey, let's debate the validity of belief in God. Okay, here's my term. I propose that we each bring someone concrete evidence... Bring some concrete evidence of the validity of our beliefs in the form of men and women who have been redeemed from their lives of sin and shame by the influence of our teaching. I will bring 100 such men and women, and I challenge you to do the same. If you cannot bring 100, Mr. Bradlow, to match my 100, I will be satisfied if you will bring 50 men. <laughs> How many? righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, you just bring 50 men and women who will stand and testify that they have been lifted up from lives of shame by the influence of your teachings. If you cannot bring 50, bring 20 who will say, as my 100 will, that they have great joy in a life of self-respected as a result of your atheistic teachings." If you cannot bring 20, I'll be satisfied if you bring 10. Nay, Mr. Bradlow, I challenge you to bring one, just one man or woman who will make such a testimony regarding the uplifting of your atheistic teachings. Charles Bradlow, after a few days, withdrew his challenge. And you know what, Jimmy? Maybe he just had a prior engagement. That was it. It was a scheduling (laughs) conflict that just kind of goofed him up or he couldn't do it. And this is yet another reminder. Politics has its place, but it's not our priority. The salvation of souls is, even souls of men like Charles Bradlow and our president and his cabinet and most of Congress. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.